Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. And we are back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Uh, it's always interesting this time of year, uh, more so as we get deeper into the portal era, uh, as Michigan has always had some question marks, but none more so than this particular offseason, nor has have things moved as fast in the past. So a lot to react to in this episode. Folks, you know how we do it every single time I sit down with a guy that I like to hear from. I don't care if there was no audience. I'd like to sit and talk to my man, Tim McCormick. He was a big fella at the University of Michigan that roamed the middle in the early to mid-80s before becoming a first-round draft pick, playing in the NBA for a decade, going on to be one of the best commentators in the land, college or pro, and also doing great work still to this day with the NBA Players Association, none other than my guy, Timmy Mack. Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm great, and I um I find this so fascinating. You know, the, the NFL has now become year-round, right? The NBA is year-round. They've got the playoffs, and that goes right into summer league and the draft, and, and now college basketball is doing the same thing. And, Sam, I know you. You're here today with the tough questions, right, about how Michigan will respond to the loss of their best three players, um, what does the starting lineup look like? Is Caleb Love coachable? Should Jalen Llewellyn return? Will Michigan play in the NCAA? I, I have no answers, Sam. It's only some I look at you ask, asking all the questions and saying you have no answers. Before I have I no answers. No, I, I, I have some educated guesses maybe. Um, but I, I think the big one is, is Michigan better off now than they were a month ago when they lost in the second round in the NIT? And once again, I don't know. The, the answer is impossible to address because there's so much speculation and uncertainty. And this is just a new era. And, and I can't really figure it out. I'm not comfortable with it. And Sam, when, when I was a freshman, I learned from the upperclassmen. You know, I watched the juniors and the seniors. And when I was an upperclassman, I was ready to learn. Um, today, we've got 20% of college basketball players are in the transfer portal. And every year, coaches, they go shopping. You know, what, what do we need? We, we're like an NBA team, right? We have a couple guys returning, but we need a couple free agents. We have to go into the draft. And, and I, just, I, I just, I don't have good answers, but I think it's fun to try to guess and speculate. And all of a sudden, college basketball is a year-round thing. No doubt. All right, so let's, let's start off first talking about the departures you and I in the last episode both predicted Jet would be gone he actually uh jumped to the NBA later that same day we got done with the podcast and like an hour later Jet was in the draft neither of us were surprised by that uh but before Kobe's decision and you wonder if Kobe was maybe impacted maybe he wasn't but before Kobe announced his decision came where the Hunter Dickinson it entered the portal. Full disclosure, I asked Hunt to come on. He said, you know, hey, I'm not really talking right now. I haven't really talked to anyone about it. 
said, you know, you and Tim really stand up. He was really complimentary of you, Tim, and other podcasts, but just kind of wants to do his thing without really talking about it right now. Uh, so we're left to speculate on some things. I want to stipulate that at the beginning. You wonder if did he catch wind that Kobe's jumping or did Kobe kind of see that Hunter's going in the portal and did either of their decisions affect the other because Kobe's to the draft and Hunter's in the portal and we don't know. Does, does that guarantee he's going to land someplace else, Tim? Or is there a possibility that he returns to Michigan? <laughs> I'm laughing, Sam, because I texted him too. <laughs> I, we, we double teamed him. And, and okay, so I'm going to start off by saying this. I think Hunter Dickinson returns to Michigan. I really do. Um, and he didn't tell me anything. But the fact that he returned your text and my text immediately tells me something. And if, if, I, if I was planning on leaving, I would probably cut off a lot of the relationships that are kind of on the surface, on the periphery. He got right back to us. It doesn't mean a lot, but it's something. I keep thinking about Hunter Dickinson at Wisconsin wearing the the ski mask like he's the criminal. (laughs) And and I just – I think that he plays with people a little bit. He has fun. He Like he's a little bit goofy. He's a little bit, you know, cutting edge. He's always looking to do something different. So why did he go into the transfer portal? There's like five or six reasons, and I, I don't know the answer to any of them, but I will say one of them is I think he wants to make another statement to Michigan about the transfer portal. You've got to up your game if you want to keep guys like me. Um, part of me says he wants to go to Kansas or Kentucky and, and win a, a national championship, get to a Final Four. Part of me thinks that, that maybe he wants to just go to the highest bidder, whoever that may be. You know, if he ended up at Texas A&M or Ole Miss or something, you know, that could be. Um, I thought maybe he would want to go to Maryland or Georgetown and play at home. Um, And so the biggest reason I think he's going to come back is if Hunter was going to leave, he would already have a destination. It's been a couple weeks. Everybody that, that, that knows he's out there, he's the biggest name. Everybody that would want to make a rush at him has already done it and he has not committed to anyone. I know that he loves the roster that Michigan's added. There's pieces around him. There's depth at every position. That's why I think he's coming back, Sam. I could be completely wrong, but that that's my prediction. Yeah, well, Tim, uh, many, most of your, no one's 100%, but most of your predictions, I give you credit, have turned out right. So, uh, but I guess I have a little bit different take. I think Hunter got back to us. Not necessarily, uh, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily indicative of the likelihood of him returning. I think it has more to do with how we treated him. We were always fair. Yeah. You know, if he had something to say that was against the program, we, it's not like we were, we editorialized or cut it out. We always aired it, right? We discussed it when his, when his NIL take was anti-Michigan, we didn't skewer him we didn't keep that out of the broadcast we broadcast it and Mm -hmm. we talked about it when he played poorly we talked about that as well but we didn't take gratuitous shots at him you know we were always fair and I think you being a player Tim 
I would imagine, you know, what I try to do is approach guys, whether they be player, players or coaches, in ways in which I would approach them from a commentary standpoint, in ways in which I would approach them if I were talking to them face-to-face, which we do a lot of these guys, and I think we did that with Hunter. And I think more than anything, he appreciated that, which is why he got back to us. I think it was a sign of respect more than it was, hey, I'm coming back. Now, to your point, though, I think it's on the table. I think that just talking to people in the program, they think that it's a possibility. I haven't gotten anyone who heard from anyone yet that I've talked to anyway that thinks it's likely. Here's what I think Hunter's doing, just based on our conversations with him on this podcast. I think twofold. I think, number one, I think Hunter's establishing his market value. I mean, you listen to what he said about NIL. Remember he was talking about going after Terrence Shannon and other guys, and he was talking about how you know how it goes. You, If you aren't big time with NIL, you aren't going to get guys in the portal. So I think, obviously, that's something that he is doing when he's in the portal talking to these teams. He's assessing – the NIL, and if you're going to come back to Michigan, you kind of want to know, what are you measuring them against? This this is me speculating. And then the other piece, also to your point, Tim, is I think he's looking around, okay, Jet's going, Kobe's going. And, you know, these are two guys we went through a lot of growing pains this year just to get them to that point, and now they're out. Who are we going to have next year, and will it be the same kind of process again, or are you going to put something together that I can win with. I think he's looking to see both of those things. And and he also loves Juwan Howard and the coaches. Everybody's poured into him. And and he also is finally realizing he's probably not going to get drafted and, and be an NBA player. So he has to do everything he can right now to establish that market value and maximize his earning potential. Because this is, you know, this is going to affect his ability to to buy a house and get a car and you know raise a family and put his kids through college like like right now he's right in the heart of his earning potential and so i don't have a problem with him getting out there i think it's actually smart business i i, I would love loyalty i would love him saying i want to have my number retired and be the all-time scoring leader and all that stuff and you know he's he's almost got his degree i think he's going to be back on campus this summer that's that's saying a lot, too. So um, no problems with what Hunter's doing. Kudos to him, actually. Yeah, man. And so, look, I, I agree. And I should have uh, said that what you just said, too, about his relationship with Juwan. Uh, you know, I definitely think that is without question a lure for him coming back. But you also said you're kind of making a statement a, a bit. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of holding the, the roster management to some level of accountability and then holding the NIL, whoever is in control of whatever the number can be for Hunter, this kind of puts them on notice as well. I mean, you know, there's a cost that comes. We were highly critical. I won't put you in there. I, we question a lot. Could the Miami dynamic work, right? Remember they go and they get uh, Nigel Pack, bring them into the fold, causes some issues with Isaiah Wong and everyone's like, oh, it's going to blow up the locker room. They were in the final four, Tim. I mean, Jim Laranega figured it out. He figured out how to make it work. So it's not, you know, necessarily something that's going to blow up your roster when you have guys kind of out there jockeying for NIL position. And I I think he's very much in the mode because tell me what you think about this, Tim. 
this might not be Hunter's last year in college. I mean, if, if you if you think about his financial upside in America, in the States, it might not ever be bigger than these next two years. If you assume that he's not guaranteed to be an NBA guy, can he make more money in the next two years NIL-wise than he could ever make any two years in the G League? I think you can make the case that this could be, at least as far as American basketball is concerned, this might be. Not definitely. Not saying Hunter can't do it. Don't get it twisted. Not betting against the big fella. But he has to be thinking brass tacks and saying, what if the next two years are the max I can make, you know, as far as ceiling is concerned, stateside? And if I'm going to make big dollars after this, I got to go overseas. Let me see if, how much I can get stateside while I can. I, I agree with that, and and I also think he's gonna he's gonna be a multimillionaire. He and he's he's durable and he's strong and he's gonna put up numbers wherever that is. I, I I don't think I have any concerns about his livelihood, but as a as a 22 year old, it does make sense or 21 whatever he is. Um, attack today, get as much as you can, build your leverage for sure. Yeah. So it. It'll be interesting. I'll reiterate the sentiment inside is it's not a done deal with Hunter uh, being out of here. So if any fans, that's why you be careful when you're on social media and you're, you're taking these shots. I say don't take shots of players anyway, but especially when the dude might be back. <laughs> like, I mean, come on, man. What are you doing? Ragging on the dude when he's not completely out the door. You shouldn't do it even if he is, but good grief, Tim. Don't push him out the door, right? Yeah, no. I, I, you know, there, there's always 10% of Twitter followers that say ridiculous things. Just ignore that, that 10, 20% and focus on the others. Because I think most fans appreciate Hunter and know he's a really good player. So additions, uh, there have been a few. The first of which was Namari Burnett, a guy who Michigan re- recruited twice over. Obviously, uh, a Chicago Brad Guy knows uh, his family knows Juwan going back. He originally goes to Texas Tech. He enters the portal. He's back out there again. Then he goes to Alabama, right? Third time's the charm for Michigan, right? This time uh, after uh, after being on a loaded Alabama team, uh, he, you know, he had some contribution there, but clearly not the contribution he wanted to have. And he's back and he's back in the portal. He landed on Michigan. So he was first up. Tim, what did you think of the addition on Namari Burnett? So I think that that Namari Burnett is intriguing to me. Um, he's somewhat unknown, you know, around 6'4". So I would imagine when I try to project him at Michigan, I think he'll start. I think he'll probably play small forward. He's pretty strong and athletic. Uh, he's a McDonald's All-American. But I, I know him pretty well from Top 100 camp. Uh, so what I remember, and I, and I did watch him because of the fact that he, I, I knew he was a Michigan target. And so I was pretty, pretty interested, um, non-shooter, good driver and finisher, uh, can be a good defender. And, and that's, that's going to be important because Michigan had nobody last year to put on a Terrence Shannon or any, anybody that's a good score on the other on the other team's perimeter. There was nobody Michigan had to say, you know what? Why don't you just go lock him up for us for a little bit? Um, 
And, and so I think that'll be a, a real key. And the, the other thing I worry about, and, and there's a lot of reasons why this happens, but, you know, for a highly regarded kid, he averaged five points a game. Okay. Can he score? Is, is he capable? Um, does he have more game than what we thought? Sometimes an injury can really, you know, wreck havoc with you. you. You lose confidence from your coaches. You don't get much time. I mean, that's not easy. Maybe you're just playing behind somebody that's better than you. So I am, um, I think it's a good pickup. And and he's been at big programs. He's used to, to to elite competition, so I'm I'm anxious to see him play. And he epitomizes why I'm so excited about this season because there's a there's three guys that are coming in, not even including the freshmen, that that I have no idea what direction. There are massive questions about each of them, and Namari Burnett may be right at the top of that list. Yeah, he he fits an overall theme uh, in this year's portal sort of push that I'll touch back on later, just more broadly. But specifically, uh, when it comes to his contribution, I think the part that you highlighted, his, his defense, I, I think that is the part that I am most sure will translate. There was a piece that one of our national guys on 24-7 Sports wrote. You know, Isaac Trotter does a great job. If you don't, if you aren't over on the MichiganInsider.com, and he talked about uh, what a good defender Namari Burnett sort of flashed as. Really long-armed, high IQ guy, um, you know, can, can move his feet, can stay in front of guys. You can't muscle him to the basket. You know, the, the closest thing Michigan had, to a strong defender was Kobe Bufkin. Absent that, who do you have on the perimeter that you can put on anyone right now and feel confident that, okay, he's going to slow someone down to your point? Well, Namari Burnett gives you that. The, the question mark comes on the other end of the floor. Can he be the offensive weapon that they had on the wings last year? And that's pure projection. There, there's nothing on college tape that suggests that. But projection-wise, 19.3% usage last year. Not a, 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 a you know a high, highly efficient three-point shooter in the low 30s. But he did have a few games where he he had three or more threes uh, in the contest. So he so he could get hot. What we know, Tim, is he can get downhill. He can finish through contact. Put him in some ball screen action and see with greater usage, can he be more of a volume offensive player. We don't know. Jury's out on that. But if he's, if at the very least, he gives you some additional defense on the wing, you at least wind up ahead of the game on that side. And if he just gives you something offensively, I mean, you got a lot to replace. You just, he'll maybe give you a piece to that puzzle. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking of comparisons and it's not a good one at all. But body-wise, athleticism-wise, driving-wise, um, defense-wise, I just think I think that Namari Burnett is like a Shondi Brown without the perimeter jump shooting. Um, he's just kind of that reliable guy that you think just he at Wake Forest. Shondi Brown was was never really featured. He needed a change. He needed you know whatever. Maybe just being surrounded by a different type of player. And then he came in and showed a lot of things that we just didn't know he could do. I'm hopeful that Namari Burnett will have the same kind of impact. 
Yeah, I, I guess, and I'll draw on this this distinction a little bit later. You know, for as much as it was about a, a different stage, uh, you know, a change of scenery, doing Sean D some good, and and the the way they used him because he wasn't he didn't really shoot uh, threes. He certainly didn't shoot open threes <laughs> at no. Wake Forest like he shot at Michigan, right? So uh, he had a different opportunity, but he was looking for a bigger stage. And that's not the case with Namari Burnett. I mean, he was on the number one team in the country for the majority of the year. It's not about a bigger stage. Uh, he got a little buried over there. So with more of an opportunity, does that lead to greater productivity? We'll talk about that more in depth later. But Caleb Love, hmm. big, big Now, I guess he came after Trey Jackson. So let's let's go with Trey Jackson first. And to me, this is kind of like the sneaky good pickup. Fit-wise skill set wise coming home wise for a Detroit native goes to Mizzou transfers to Seton Hall after a year Tim uh you know that first year they think he's gonna have to sit out they the NCAA comes back and says oh you're eligible he only plays a handful of games but then year two at Seton Hall under Kevin Willard you start to see him blossom here he is this 6'10 guy that hit threes at a 37 percent clip Right, he's averaging about seven points a game. I think he started 18 or so games or something like that. But then there's a coaching change. Willard goes to Maryland and enters Shaheen Holloway, and the fit isn't the same for him. His minutes go down. His threes go down. It's just not the right fit. I feel like this, this edition is one where this could really open up. I, I really – I think it's easier to project this being – an opportunity that this dude really capitalizes upon in Ann Arbor. Trey Jackson coming to Michigan makes me smile, Sam. And you know that I, I run the Michigan Elite 25 program um, for the best players from across the state. And Trey Jackson was one of our campers. And his senior year, I held a showcase at Ypsilanti High School. Um, and it, it wasn't as much for you know, some of the high level kids because it was in a, during a non-viewing period. So D1s weren't there. But some of the guys you may know that, that played at my showcase was uh, Brandon Johns, Trevion Williams, uh, Romeo Weems, Gabe Brown, Dave DeJulius, like, like really good players. <laughs> and Trey Jackson was there. And he was just outstanding. He plays hard. Sam, he's really smart. I mean, th those are things that sometimes when you, you, you're talking to a kid, you get a, a different perspective. Um, you know, he, he was very respectful. I, I liked his game a lot. 6'10", he's versatile. Um, he can do three things really well. He can make a perimeter shot, which is going to be really important, especially if Hunter comes back. He can cover guards on the perimeter, which, you know, that reminds me a little bit of Musa. You know, Musa was so raw. Um, Trey Jackson's not as good as Musa, but he does some of the same things. And he may be the guy on Michigan's roster with the most approved. And, and, and so the other thing that's kind of interesting is that Michigan has really struggled um, finding somebody that can play next to Hunter Dickinson. And even if it's not Hunter Dickinson and it, it, it does, it doesn't matter. Terrace reads the same way. Like, Big guys that clog the lane a little bit out of offense. 
Michigan put Brandon Johns out there and Terrence Williams and Musa and Caleb. None of those guys were able to effectively play with Hunter Dickinson because none of them was a reliable three-point shooter. Um, I think I think Trey Jackson gets me pretty excited, Sam. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I think he's a, a, a great fit. You think about when, when T. Will's at the four, yeah, he could feed the post, but he just was not uh, as reliable a three-point threat as you wanted him to be. Uh, when he played next to Terrace, gave you some some extra things on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, like you said, I mean, Hunter had to play in the high post. If he was on the block, then you had basically Terrace was a rim runner. He was a, you know, he flashed to the bats. He was a cutter, uh, but not really a guy who was going to operate really effectively away from, from the rim. That might be a part of his game that grows. Point being, man, his versatility, like you said, he can really hit a three. Uh, he has some athleticism, so he can finish at the rim. Uh, you know, he has – this is not his first rodeo, so he's played a lot of basketball. He's a switchable defender. Uh, that is very, very valuable for Michigan. And he's coming home, mm-hmm. right? He's coming home to the D. So he's going to play uh, in front of family. That has to do a thing for him as well, leaving a situation where through no fault of his own, the fit just changed on him. Sometimes this is not against Gene Holloway. I mean, some guys just don't fit you as well. And, you know, going from Willard to, to Holloway with just looking at it from afar and remembering the kind of game that Trey Jackson had against Michigan when they beat Michigan, remember? I, I just feel like this is this is a situation where the change of scenery will do him really, really well and benefit Michigan. Easy to project it being a positive addition. Yeah, that brings I, us to Caleb. Go, go ahead, Tim. No, he's going to be – he's going to be – really excited to excel and one thing i want to throw out there and i don't i don't know this part of the equation sometimes it's better for guys to go far away from home and and there's a lot of pressure at home there's a lot you know a lot of people you want to get away from um i don't know if that's the case or not but it's something to be aware of. like i want to i want to point out that sometimes it's great to come home and sometimes it's not so great so it's just something that to keep an eye on from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes. Which brings us to Caleb Love, um, you know, a guy who was one of the stars of North Carolina's run to the championship game uh, last year, right? They come back the next season. Baycott's back. Caleb Love, after a couple of games, remember remember what he did to uh, in Coach K's last game. Uh, he had a great game against UCLA in that tournament as well. I mean, he was looking like a dude, and you were feeling like coming back another year, like okay, now I'm that guy. I'm he's gonna take it to another level, and just his his efficiency and the efficiency of that team didn't get better you could argue it got a lot worse and they went from being the number one team in the country preseason wise to a team that doesn't even make the tournament so he's leaving a situation what he said go go rewrite your story kid that's what he said in a in his tweet tim which tells you he's leaving a situation that 
you know, there was some disharmony there. Uh, there was a narrative maybe that was cast upon him or maybe that he earned that he's looking to shake in coming to Michigan. And certainly there are a lot of shots available for him now at Michigan for him to be able to come in and do that. Yes. Uh, you laid it out pretty well, Sam. I um, I didn't know Caleb Love in high school. I think he might have been more of a USA basketball guy. I don't believe he was at the top 100. Um, sometimes when all of a sudden there's 100 guys in front of you, you, you kind of lose track and you focus on some guys, not others. But there's no question that he's extremely talented. Yeah, just a big-time producer with pro skills. Um, he, he loves to score. And I think that's important, especially if Hunter's not there. Like I kept, I kept thinking if Hunter's not here, how does this team get to 60 points? How, how do we avoid being Rutgers? And there's, there's a couple of things about Caleb. If, if we're going to be completely honest on offense, this is the guy that holds the ball for a long time. And, and I always like a player, you catch it, You've got two seconds to either shoot or make a move. If you don't, then just move it. Um, North Carolina lacked chemistry this year, like Michigan lacked chemistry. For whatever reason, the players didn't look like they were getting along. And sometimes that happens with big-time success. You know, their NCAA run the previous year, all of a sudden different agendas can pop up. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Hubert Davis has a lot of coaching strengths, but – Toughness and discipline and accountability is not one of them. He gives his guys total freedom. And and I I I'm looking at Caleb Love. And what was the comment he made? You know, go do your new thing or what rewrite your story, kid. Yeah, rewrite your story, kid. Like that's what he's here to do. And and I think that Juwan and his staff need some tough love on, on, on Caleb, you know, to use his last name, some tough love because the scouts want to see if he's coachable. Um, here's another thing. If he ever makes it to the NBA, there, there's only, there, there's maybe 50 or 60 guys in the NBA that are stars. Like, like they get the ball, they get the plays run to them. They, they, they get 15 shots a game. Everybody else is a role player that has to prove that they can play away from the ball. Like, can you make a hard cut to get open? Can you set a screen and cause a switch and all of a sudden you get the ball? He needs to show that he can be a teammate. Um, I still think he's going to average 18 points a game. I still think he's, he's, he's going to be on one of the all big 10 teams. Um, I, I do think he's a, a pretty good leader. Like he, he's got some alpha dog in him. You know, and that's that's valuable too. When you walk into the Breslin, you need somebody on your team that that that's like Hunter Dickinson. Hunter walked in, you'd say, "I'm I'm with him." Okay, you know, I think that Caleb Love has played on the biggest stages, and he's come up big. He, this guy is going to be really, really good, but he also needs some work and and some some accountability in his life. Yeah, you raise a ton of great points, Tim. Um, you know, this is a different portal dynamic for Michigan. You you think about the guys over the last couple of years from Shawnee Brown, Mike Smith, uh, Devontae Jones, you know, Jalen Llewellyn, um, 
guys that were looking for a bigger stage, right? Guys that were maybe at a lower level of basketball that needed an opportunity to play up a level. Wow, I Sam, I like that. I hadn't thought of that. That's really good. It, it, it's it's different than what they have in this portal mm-hmm. endeavor, right? You're you're talking about guys who are coming from situations that, you know, for whatever reason, weren't going the way that they planned, right? It, it's I mean, you had a great opportunity at North Carolina. It was on a really really good team. You had a really really good team at Alabama, right? And coaching change is a little bit different with Trey Jackson. Coaching change there, right? Reason for him to, to leave as a grad transfer. My point in bringing this up is I think the coaching job is different, right? Because, you know, part of uh, any coaching, any player is managing expectations, right? Whether it's a freshman, it could be an upper class. doesn't matter. You got you to gotta see what their expectation is and how does that fit into the team dynamic. Well, now you got some guys who come in with some very clear goals, right, based on their experience in college. Caleb Love is looking to go to the NBA. How do you fit his individual goal into your team dynamic? Because if it's me, I'm not. I'm no coach, never have been a coach, but my point to anyone coming in is this is Dougie's team. You know, Dougie's stirring the, the coffee. He's going to be the guy who is initiating the offense, and we play off of that, or, or Hunter. No, it could be if Hunter comes back. We're running the offense through Hunter, and we're playing off of that. So how do we do a better job of that with you, Caleb, than, than was at play last year with, with, with Baycott? Where, and what do I mean? I'm not saying I don't know exactly how that dynamic went awry. I just know he wasn't an efficient offensive player last year. So how do you improve that efficiency? Coming into a similar situation, if Hunter comes back, the idea is you want to be better than you were. How do you achieve that understanding? He has a goal of I got to show that I'm ready to go to the NBA. And same thing with Namari Burnett. He did. He got less of an opportunity at Alabama. How do you manage that expectation and have him flow within what you're trying to do as a team? This is a very interesting challenge for what you want because you you got to manage the expectations of the players. You got to manage the expectations of their families coming in. I mean, this is not just some plug and play scenario. Role definition is vitally important on any team, but especially when you're adding transfers into this mix. And I think it's going to be one of Jawan's biggest challenges for this team. Okay. So I'm going to make a couple of comments. And I want to start it off by saying that that Doug was incredible last year as a freshman. The way that he stepped in, he stayed healthy, he was durable, he did a fantastic job. He's got a bright future. This is Hunter Dickinson's team. But I mean, I, I said that. You know I'm saying? No, I, I said that if if Hunter leaves, if Hunter right. comes back, is Hunter Dickinson's yeah. team? No. So the second point to that, if Hunter leaves. This is Caleb Love's team, I think. And and it wouldn't surprise me if if Jalen Llewellyn, who last year, if he would have been healthy, would have probably been the starter and Doug would have played a lot less. I think I think that there's a very good chance because they've got some great depth at the guard position that, that Doug's role decreases a bit and his scoring average decreases a bit. Um, yeah. That doesn't 
take away anything about his role. There's just more options. And I could be wrong. He he might become a star. And, his, and, man, his jump shot was so much better than I expected. And his floor leadership, and he has an unselfish attitude. Like, I'm not taking anything away. There's, just, there's two veteran guards that have a lot of experience that are going to be there sharing a lot of that with him. See, I, and, and so this is not me saying that Dougie is a star player or that Dougie is the – is even as good as Caleb Love. You know, Caleb Love has established himself as a better college player than Doug McDaniel. Don't don't confuse what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. It is hard for a guy to come in and know the culture of your program. The hard for a guy to come in and know the tendencies of his teammates. Hard for a guy to come in and know the scheme. The reason why I talk about Dougie, this this being Dougie, Dougie knows the scheme. He knows the coaching staff. He knows the the remaining players. I mean, he is the guy that's going to be here beyond next year. So if you're looking to maintain some semblance of a program and not just the team, it, it would behoove you to be nurturing that along the way is what I said. Look, I haven't coached the team, but that's, that's my thought process in saying, all right, who – who, that's not to say that he won't be your number one offensive option, Caleb Love. But as far as who's bringing the ball up, who's initiating the offense, who's uh, looking to the sideline for the play and getting us all set up, who's carrying over our culture, I'm looking to Doug McDaniel as being the guy that's, that is the best candidate for that. Here's one issue that I saw. Caleb Love is not a lead guard. But if you, tell, if you give him the ball and say, go score, fine. But if you give him the ball and say, okay, I want you to set up teammates, that's not – I don't think that's his game, Tim, and I think you're forcing a square, square peg in a round hole if you ask him to do that. Yeah, the um, the Michigan offense is going to really look a lot like an NBA offense next year. And I think that the building of culture and establishing DNA and everybody knowing the offense – everybody's going to know the offense, you know – you could put Namari Burnett at the point guard position and it's not going to matter because it's just a matter of dribbling up and going into a, a positionless offense. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of fun, Sam. I want to, I want to throw out um, what I see as Michigan's starting lineup. Tell me what you think. Um, and then it'll lead somewhere at the end that you'll understand. So I think Doug will start at point guard and Jalen will be his primary backup. And I could see them splitting the minutes right down the middle. True or false? Uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I, I have to see more Jalen Llewellyn before I say I'm ready to split those minutes down the middle. Surely, Dougie's going to need a backup. But based on what I saw last year, I wouldn't split it 50-50. Yeah. Let's remember this because I, I think it's an interesting question. Um, Caleb loves your two and George Washington's your three. Wow. Um, I'm sorry. George Washington is like that third guard. Um, Caleb Love and Namari Burnett are your two and your three, right. and George Washington backs both of them up. Okay, I go for that. Okay. Maybe Jace. I, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his role will be, but he could play some minutes there too. Um, so at at that point, major question once again. You know, your power forward spot, Trey Jackson and Terrence Williams are your your two guys. And and right now, do you see a role for Will Cheddar? Do you see a role for um, Greg Glenn? 
so uh, right now, Trey Jackson's my four. He's my starting four man. Um, you know, I think that uh, his his length, his versatility on both ends of the floor, just add more than any of the other guys are capable of bring, are physically capable of bring, capable of bringing to the table. Definitely, still see a role for for T. Will and one that he's probably more comfortable with. This is why when we had this discussion last year, and you had so many people. W- ready to shoot him out of the program. Look, you, you got to have some, you know, some bench players. You got to have some, some guys that give you toughness and grit and, and some energy off the bench. I think that watching him in that role the year prior, uh, he looked just much more comfortable than when they thrust him into the starting lineup and, and put more expectations upon him. So I actually think that sliding him into a, a lesser role uh, in terms of, of minutes and an offensive expectation is going to serve his overall game and ultimately serve the team well. I think Will Cheddar becomes a spot player for the team. Yeah, he plays. Uh, there'll be some nights where he gets five, ten minutes, depending on what they need, depending on what the matchup is. There are going to be other nights where he doesn't play. Uh, you know, I don't know what Greg Glenn is, Tim. Uh, you know, just based on looking at this roster, being play it by ear. Uh, I don't see minutes right now off the rip for him based on what they had though but I, i'm not in practice every day to know what he looks like in practice yeah and kaya too you know six nine we don't know he doesn't look six nine to me but but you know we have to keep an eye on him so the last position is center and hopefully it's hunter and and if if terrace reed is your backup center and hunter's your center that's the best in the country yeah. um but if if one of those guys um, if, if Hunter doesn't come back, then that, that opens up a lot. I, do you know anything about Papa Conte? Yeah. So first of all, I like Papa as a, as a guy who coming in the door will, would be an asset defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like him as a guy who, who gets up and down the floor. You aren't going to beat him in transition. So that's not something you're going to have to, you know, drill into him as a rookie. Uh, you know, I think he's a switchable defender. That's one of his strengths. In that, yeah, man, you could go out and and be completely versatile defensively because uh, he can he can move his feet and stay with some uh, guards and wings uh, off of picks. And then he also is a good help side defender. He can come over uh, and, and block a few shots. But offensively, more of a work in progress. Rudimentary post skills. Uh, started to take more threes, uh, you know, in the in the last year or so, but not a what you would call a strength of his game. Uh, to me, it's going to be more about uh, a guy who gives you a defensive presence as a putback guy uh, on, on offense as opposed to a guy who you say, who you toss it down to and say, make something happen. A guy who gives you maybe, you know, 10 or so minutes uh, as a backup center, 10, 10, 12 minutes if it winds up being Terrace and him. Question becomes uh, admissions. Uh, there are some uh, some hurdles to clear. Um, the specifics of which uh, they have not been uh, really detailed. I just know that there are some things that they're trying to work through. Sometimes we can figure out answers without actually talking to anybody or reading anything. And the fact that, that Yoan Treor is being recruited by Michigan and Olivier Kamwa is, is being recruited by Michigan. Those are two guys that, that, you know, could really help out if, if um if all of a sudden Papa Conte does not come, you you need somebody as your backup center for sure. Yeah. 
regardless of what Hunter does. And so to, to read that those guys are, are talking to Michigan, Michigan's coaches tells me that, you know, things may not work out there. Yeah, so, you know, I think they will recruit both of those guys even with Papa. Let's say even if they get Papa. I mean, I you know, in this day and age, scholarship limits um, are kind of not as much of a hindrance. Uh, sounds like right. they have some some leeway. You can move some things around possibly with, with Jace that would make some things happen because Kamwa is intriguing in this way. If they were to get Olivier Kamwa, he's my four-man, Tim. <laughs> so what do you what do you tell Trey Jackson? Trey Jackson just committed hey, to you coming home. I hear home. you. I hear you. I mean, you both will play. You both will play. But man, so what, what, I what saw, do you say? What, do you, what about Terrence Williams? And what do you say to him? I mean, you you have some minutes. Look, competition. Iron sharpens iron sharpens iron, as they say, and. Kamwa's offensive versatility is on a level even beyond Trey Jackson's. Mm-hmm. I watched him in that Duke game, Tim, uh, in the Sweet 16. And, man, this dude was lethal from the mid-range. I saw him kill Texas. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he shoots three. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but the threes that he does shoot, he shoots them at a good clip, right? So, uh he, he he's also on the glass too. He's a strong bodied defender, gives you some athleticism and some rebounding in there. I just think he's more complete right now than than Trey Jackson. So Trey Jackson still plays a crucial and pivotal role to you. I think the guy who would suffer the most in that dynamic would be T. Will, where no. where now he's getting probably the leftover minutes from those two and then trying to squeeze some minutes in at the three spot. Right. So that's what I would hope, but, but, but still he's your captain and he's shown loyalty to the program and it's a cutthroat business these days. It, it really is. Look, they're, they're recruiting Olivier Kamwa, even if Papa Conte comes. So clearly they are not, they are not, um, you know, just taking a pass saying, they're doing everything they can to improve the competition on the roster and ultimately it's productivity. Now, Yawan is a bit different in that it, that's purely a five. There was some talk in high school that Yawan could, could play the four. And you remember at the top 100 camp, he took a few threes, right? And he actually looked comfortable taking a few threes. But that's not his game per se. What I like about him, Tim, is he is the energizer bunny. Whether it's, you know, in the half court, on the glass, running the floor, he's going to be a finisher. He's going to be an outstanding defender. He's going to be a jackrabbit. But, you know, offensively, you know, I think we have to wait to see. He's just a he's a more athletic um, piece to the puzzle than Papa Conte would be. And obviously a more experienced piece to the puzzle than Papa Conte would be. So you would feel better about your backup center situation if it were Yuan Trey or compared to say a Papa Conte. Yeah. And I, and I will say this, that for Trey or he averaged what two points a game at Auburn. That's not an easy place for a big man to play. They've got guards that, that Walker Kessler is the best rookie big man in the NBA. And, and he did almost nothing at Auburn. Like that's, that's a tough place for big men to play. So go for Walker. I just, Walker fan. yeah, yeah. So it's, um, 
it's really interesting, Sam. It, it really is. And next time we get together, we're we're gonna say, "Wow, I missed on that one," or "That was a great caught." Like we're just we're throwing darts up against the board. Yeah. So here's here's a question for you, Tim. Let let's say you had your pick. Now they're further down the 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 runway, if you will, with Kamwa. They just had a Zoom with him. That hasn't happened with Yuan Treor yet, but the, it sounds like that might possibly be in the works. I know they've there's been contact with Yuan Treor, but here you have a guy who is going into his second year in college, uh, clearly on the early end of his development. You got to feel like if you're Juwan Howard, you can really mold that guy. Kamwa is without question a better player right now, uh, would be a more significant contributor right now, but you only have him one year. Which way would you go if, if you were the king of the force, if you were Juwan Howard, Tim, and you could choose? It's nearly an impossible scenario because Juwan has to get the best talent he can. The truth is there are guys that are going to become available on the portal where you'd love to have an extra spot to pick them up. You know, after they go to summer school and finish up their degree, a lot of players are going to do that. Um, you, you may, you may have access to players that are better than the ones you've taken and, and fit your system and you might have them longer. I, I, I don't know what the, the best strategy is, um, but the fact that, that Trey Jackson committed to Michigan a little bit earlier than, than Kamwa, that's, that's a tough one because you've already made a commitment to the guys in your program and the guys that have already committed to you. I, I think your hands are somewhat tied. So you would go Treyor? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> so, you I would. Would go Kamwa, so you wouldn't do either then? No, I wouldn't do either. Ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Now, if I, I, I mean, what happens if, if you take Kamwa and, and you've already got Jackson and Terrace reads your center and Papa Conte gets into school and Hunter Dickinson says, yeah, I'm back guys. What, what do you do then? You've got six or seven guys at the four and the five. Hey, that's what coaches get paid the big bucks for, right? <laughs> You're That's right. what they get millions of dollars for, right, to figure that out. Remember remember that going back to the beginning of this podcast when we were talking about all the problems they said Jim Laranega was going to have with <laughs> Nigel Pack coming in, and he got this all this big money from the NIL dude down there. I can't remember. Ruiz, I think is his name, from Life Wallet. And Isaiah Wong comes up and says, wait a minute, this dude wasn't even with this squad. And he's getting more than me? No, that's I, I'm not with that. That's a problem. I need more. And the life wallet guy says, no, I got a deal with you already done. You you stay with what you got. I'm not renegotiating your deal. And the deal I got with Pac is the deal I have with Pac. Seems like a, a recipe for disharmony, right? Jim Laranega figured that out. So my point is, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's a given. I'm saying these dudes paid a lot of money to figure out those kinds of problems. Yeah. I just think there's a problem having too many big guys. And I, I hear you. Yeah. I'm not discounting. I Tim, you know basketball. You know more basketball than I've – you've forgotten more basketball than I know. So I'm not saying that you're wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It would be an issue. It would be a problem. I call it a good problem to have to figure out, <laughs> especially compared to yeah. last year where you didn't have enough guys. But, yeah, but I, I think that, that – 
if you look at this team, let's talk a little bit about what, what the lineup looks like. I think that they're definitely better on defense, especially on the perimeter. Um, improved depth at every spot, especially the point guard. A massive concern about my perimeter shooting as a team. I think that would be a huge issue. Um, I think that they'll be a bigger, stronger, tougher, grittier team inside. The biggest question I would have, though, how's the chemistry? Because college basketball is guard-driven, and and big guys are not as important in the game today. So if you've got five big guys that are all really good and capable – how do you split up those minutes? I, I just don't see a jumbo look being effective nowadays. Hey, so qu- another question for you. I know we got to get out of here because we're running long. Let's say Hunter, you know, as he looks around, NIL is better, a chance to win. He thinks the championship is better someplace else, and he goes. If you got a combo, could you play combo at the five? Could, could, Absolutely. Would, well, he be, would he be your five? And what I mean, uh, let me be more specific. Could combo be your five as the starter? And you bring Terrace off the bench. So I think I think that Trey Jackson played some center at Seton Hall, didn't he? And and that might be a good option too. And then Kamwaj, your your four man. Mm-hmm. I like that. That could work. That could work. Let's say uh, hopefully they have to figure that part out with Hunter. <laughs> with Hunter coming back again, just to get back to that point. Look, make it clear, we're speculating. Hunter, um, we both texted him. He politely passed on coming back on the podcast, and he said, man, y'all have been stand-up with me, stand-up guys, appreciate you. But I'm just going through my process and not really talking about it. Uh, And so we've had to speculate what he's thinking based in part on our conversations with him and then talking to folks on the inside who say they think there's a chance that Hunter comes back. So – I don't think that's coming from nowhere, Tim. They must have been given some indication that that's a good possibility. I hope so. I, I think that if Hunter comes back and uh, this is a, a team that's, you know, top three or four in the Big Ten next year, that's a big jump. Yeah, man. Time will tell. Uh, certainly this portal activity bolsters their case. Like, uh, you know, you got Caleb Love. I think Kamwa, I'd be interested to see what his reaction to that would be too so time will tell we obviously will have uh, plenty of opportunity to discuss further on the basketball insider if you like this podcast be sure to rate it be sure to review it be sure to tell all your friends about it they can find it wherever they get their podcast that's google stitcher spotify itunes you name it if you watch us on youtube be sure to like the video be sure to subscribe to the channel that way whenever we put up a new episode or any new content you'll get a notification and of course if you want to keep track of all the portal activity, right? All the recruiting activity. Coach is about to get out on the road, get out on the circuit, the live period upon us. You got EYBL starting up, the Adidas circuit, Under Armour circuit. There's even a New Balance circuit. Now, I saw that. It's like New Balance has a circuit? They do. We will be out covering it all over the MichiganInsider.com. Again, pennies a day get you in. And once you become a full-paying member after a month, you also get access to Paramount+. Plus. Don't miss out over on the michiganinsider.com. That'll do it for us on this edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider.